Hey everybody, welcome to Giant Bomb Presents. This is Austin Walker. Joining me today is the latest Giant Bomb guest contributor, Nick Capazzoli. Welcome, Nick. Hey man, happy to be here. Thrilled that you're here. Uh, you know, I really like the piece that you wrote on the site about subterfuge and, and kind of more broadly about kind of, uh, I guess it's, it's, a, it's about strategy games. It's about strategy kind of infrastructure, strategy apparatus, right? Like the ways in which the apparatuses <laughs> of information interact with decision-making at high strategic levels across both games and real life. Um, if you haven't read it yet and you're listening, please go listen to that. So that was fantastic. But, but I just want to introduce the audience to you. You know, you're someone who I followed for, for quite some time on Twitter. I read your work. I've appreciated your work. And, uh, you know, for people who don't, who aren't familiar with you, uh, what's, what's the, what's the quick and easy introduction to Nick Capazzoli? Uh, mostly I rant on Twitter. Uh, no, um, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, well, I, I work in uh, historic restoration uh, in the city uh, architecture. I'm an architect, basically. Okay. Um, and um, kind of came into games criticism maybe around uh, 2010, something like that. Um, we, I know we, we had briefly uh, been – I think we were both in the freelance stable at GameSpot. Yeah, we for, were. I, you know, for, I feel like we had this brief moment of overlap where like I think you've been there for probably a year or maybe – Maybe a little yeah. bit more than that. Yeah, maybe a year or two. And I think yeah, yeah, there was like a two-month period, I think, where we were both there at the same time yeah. before you. Uh, yeah. That was when Kevin, Kevin Van Ord was still over there and, and definitely loved working under him. He was a good editor, and, and that, that was a, a pretty strong uh, relationship I had there. Um, but, but yeah, you know, I, I've kind of always seen your work. One of the things I've always thought about it, your reviews anyway uh, is that you have always been engaged with the form of the game review in a way that that not very many game reviewers are. If that makes sense, yeah, I, I, I take them like pretty pretty seriously. I get kind of militant about reviews. I guess on Twitter <laughs> a lot. It's just kind of my thing. Maybe I'm, I'm I'm that guy. Yeah, I, you're you are. Uh, like I said, I think what it comes down to is that, like, I think you're very invested in the notion of what that genre of writing can be. Um, and I always know as a writer, I'm constantly thinking, like, not, like, just what would Nick think of this thing. But when I think about <laughs> what, what tack I'm going to take as a review, the fact that I know a lot of what you've said in the past has pushed me to, to think heavily about what, what the opportunity of the review is, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's exactly it. Uh, you know, I, I I talk a lot about you know the review as as an art form itself. It's 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 writing. It's it's creative, uh, and and playing around with that and trying different approaches and trying to bring different things into it because, you know, I, what I always tell people is ultimately at the end of the day, you know, who are you? It, it mm. doesn't matter if you think a game is good or it's bad. You know, no one really has that kind of cachet here where just there. Their good or bad decision alone is enough to to really carry any interest. So you know it's about everything else that you can bring to it. What stories can you tell? What humor can you bring to it? What you know, mm-hmm. good analysis, things like that. Where does that so. come from for you? Do you think? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to say. Um, you know, I, I obviously I've got the I have the architecture background, and that you know we're kind of in a. As a field, it's kind of a kind of one foot in kind of more of a hard science and one foot in very very artsy fartsy kind of <laughs> kind of thing. So uh, you know, we the thing with architects is it's we know we don't really know where to stop ourselves with designing things. Mm-hmm. So that's why so many of them get into furniture and jewelry and things like that, and just you know just constantly spreading you know our, our creative wings. And, do you do you have something like that, or is games that for you? Uh, you know, it may be that games are that for me. Um, you know, and 
the kind of the nice thing here is, um, you know, when I was getting into architecture, it was during a time when it was pretty tough for the field. That's uh, part of the reason why I work in historic restoration is, you know, it's, people aren't always building things, but things right. are always breaking down and get, need to get repaired, um, which makes it kind of evergreen. But, um, you know, right around that same time, you know, I, you know, I work in this, which is we don't do as much design in my field, but I, I've always needed that kind of creative outlet. So, you know, totally. maybe that's kind of where I come to this kind of thing. Do you find that, that your your experience and knowledge in architecture affects your, your kind of uh, game criticism in a more specific way than that at all? You know, I don't really know. I mean, um, how could you know, right? Like, it's a situation where, like, you are the person you are, and you think about things in the way that you do. So it it probably isn't so clean as like, oh yes, this is like buildings. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I could say uh, a lot of you know coming up in architecture, you come up in the the studio environment, and mm-hmm. and I know for the where I went to school and in, in most schools, a lot of what that involves in is uh, like really working on the the process of, of, of how to think about design. And, um, you know, in this, this kind of comes into play with my reviews, I guess, too, is, uh, a lot of the, the, the work of building that process for students is teaching them that they can, they can have anything as like the formative, you know, the little, uh, I guess you could call it like the, the grain of, you know, the granule that like a snowball will form around and get you to what you want to actually do. You can get that from anywhere. Mm-hmm. So you'll have design prompts that can be, you know, I, I would say like, a, um, you're going to take a cube. Now you have to make, you have to cut it in three parts. Now that's going to be the basis for your building. Uh, and then how do you, right. you know, mirror that form and then extrude it and tile it? And now that's going to be your floor plan. And, and you know, and, and just knowing that, like, you can use any sort of thing to get you to where you ultimately or, you know, find out where you want to go. And that kind of teaches you how to think about what your thought process is, how you, huh. how you approach design. And, uh, you know, maybe I think there's some element of that with my reviews, too, where uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, it'll just be a quote, you know, something that seems, you know, uh, kind of just – you know, picks at your brain a little bit. You think like there's something there. Maybe there's a kernel that I can I can build on. From right, that. right. Here can be the. This is the keystone to this thing. Like this is the thing that I'm going to build all of this around. I know that's probably not what keystones actually do. Don't please don't <laughs> yell at me in the comments or you, Nick, as someone who knows what those do. Uh, <laughs> this, you know, it's, it's good enough. It's good enough. It's a good enough metaphor for those of us who don't actually know what keystones do. Right. <laughs> that's that's how I get by in life. If I'm being totally honest. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I mean, because with with reviews, a lot of people uh, and you see this, they, people kind of come to it, especially people. Who don't have a kind of a background in writing, but they they kind of defer to a, a sort of like a high school or a college essay kind of format where you 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 have your thesis, you have mm-hmm. your examples, you have your conclusion, and you know it kind of just goes through the bullet points like that. So anything you can do to to kind of just throw a wrench into that. I mean, so, I honestly, I mean, so, so I think that that's true. Though also, I feel like, and I don't want this to just become the like Austin and Nick shit on other games criticism half hour, but I, I sometimes also feel that 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 for reasons that go beyond just talent. Like, I don't think this, what I'm about to say is about the talent of writers, but often I'll read a review or a piece of criticism that doesn't even have a thesis, let alone like that structure of a thesis and then examples that illustrate or back up that, that thesis. Like often it feels like a checklist. Um, and, and I think a checklist can have a place in communication, obviously, like there's a reason why we have lists. They are they are quick and easy. Like when I'm going to the supermarket to get groceries for the week, I have a list. I don't have an essay about why I want cabbage. I know I just need cabbage <laughs> and I need milk and I you know like um, I don't I don't think that like I understand that, that for some consumers and some and some readers like a list or a form like that informs them in the way that they need to be informed. 
but I, I also deeply believe that the, that the form can do so much more than that. Uh, it, it can, like you said, entertain and inform. And, you know, I've always been the sort of person who, after they see a movie or you know, after I see a movie or read a book, I, like, seek out reviews from, from people who I, who I really appreciate or from, from new writers or from new places that make connections that I couldn't see in my, in my initial appraisal. Um, yeah. That's like, an like a supplementary text. Yeah. Supplementary know, like... and, not just, and not just advisory. Um, yeah. I think we're moving towards where that's, you know, I think that that may actually have always been the case with games to some degree. It's just that the only response that you tend to see with people saying, no, you're wrong. I love this game. You're wrong. And in that weird way, that's also a supplementary text. It's just not one that's being used for edification. It's just being used to, like, justify one's own position, maybe. Right. Yeah. Why do you think people care so much about, about game reviews? <laughs> and I say this as someone who likes writing them and hopes people like reading the ones I write. <laughs> yeah, and really care about them too. Yeah. It's just, uh, um, God, you know, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, confirmation bias is is you know, even it, it's a thing even for for me for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I like to go in there and it, like, oh, I see if I if I have a really strong opinion on something, I'm definitely going to seek out. You know, I'll, I'll go to Rotten Tomatoes or something like right. that and find all the ones that agree with my you know angsty take on it or something <laughs> like that. Do you, but, do, you, do you read any game critics who you know you'll disagree with but think that they do good work? Or at least, at least you know, the sort of work that will get those wheels moving that, that you engage with them anyway? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, God, you know, now that I'm having a brain fart. Now that I put you on to... the spot, yeah. <laughs> now that you have. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there are so many good ones out there. You know, I, I think, I, like, I agree with you. I think that it, good criticism is, is, is becoming in, in pretty good supply now. Um, mm-hmm. which, which maybe it wasn't always the case, but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I go to kill screen a lot. I, mm-hmm. They have a lot of writers who a lot of times will have a, a real reaction against what they're saying, but, um, they, you can see the effort and the, the, the desire to think around a problem, you know, really pick up a game as an object and like kind of turn it over in their hands and really try to get at what they think is a good angle. Right. Know, about instead of just taking that, that first, you know. Uh, it's a it's a good game, but it has some some flaws and there's right. frame rate issues and that. Fans of the genre will yeah you know. So so let's talk about Subterfuge, which is the game that you talk about in your piece for us. Uh, at first, I was going to say like let's not even talk about it, but then I remembered how much I like playing Subterfuge and also that I pro- did you though. Yeah, I think I mean. <laughs> oh, I'm not even sure I like playing it, and I, well, you, I play that game a lot, and you, I probably still will. <laughs> so you play it? You play what one game like concurrently at, at a time? Yeah, we. That's really about as much as I can manage. Can you imagine um, some? So, for people who don't know, Subterfuge is for people who don't know. Go read Nick's article, but but also I'll, I'll sum it up for you in case you're listening to this first. Subterfuge is a game in the style of something like Nept- Neptune's Pride, which is a multiplayer competitive. Uh, uh, strategy game that that happens in real time, but it's not a real time strategy game in the command and conquer vein. It's a real time strategy game, almost in like the the grand strategy or four X genre vein of like, oh, I'm going to move here and set up a, a base and build, uh, you know, uh, units to to go invade other places, and I'm going to mine for resources. Except it all happens in real time, but very very slow real time. Um, that's my like intrude paragraph to the really boring review of subterfuge <laughs> right and it's 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 such a 
you know, a, a basic point about it, but uh, the, just the fact that it's it's a mobile game and you mm. get push notifications from it. And because things are like staggered so that events happen over the course of hours, you get it, it is an all hours preoccupation. Right. Uh, How many times have you? So in other words, it's one of those things that's like, OK, you wake up in the morning and you immediately check to see if the subs that you sent to go claim an outpost actually got there or if they were interceded by something you didn't know about yet. Or before you go to bed, or maybe this happened to me, certainly you might set alarms in the middle of the night so that you can wake up. And plot a move when you know that your opponents are sleeping, so that yeah. <laughs> so that it gets you know under their noses. Yeah, it's a fantastic alarm clock. I like. <laughs> I mean, I would, you know because I would wake up in the morning. I'm, a, I'm one of those like you know serial snooze button pushers, mm-hmm. and and that that goes away immediately when the first thing you have to do in the morning is think about like all the grand strategy stuff that's going on right now and where all the betrayals are going to come from and things like that that it's like uh being confronted with like a game of thrones-esque problem like you know like <laughs> political intrigue like first thing in the morning do you so, you play with the same group of friends more or less from game to game more or less yeah it's you know uh, you, you, ever, you ever play like a fantasy football league mm-hmm. you know and, and i yeah. think this is the case for anyone who, who takes it like remotely seriously at all you you get like a group of about maybe like six people that like you like you all consider yourselves to like get the idea like what you really have to do oh we all pay attention to our teams you mm-hmm. know we check the lineups and things like that and you kind of look down on anyone who will play an injured player one week because they didn't pay attention right that kind of thing and we, we've kind of gotten that snooty and terrible about it so Does you know we have a group of maybe yeah four or so that kind of hang on and then we have a rotating group some people have to take a little more time off in between matches because it's so grueling right did does that take any of the edge off? Um, I ask because, you know, so I played the game last January, uh, kind of obviously an early alpha version of it, along with a, a good friend of mine, an online acquaintance, and then a bunch of random people. And the, you know, that game could have shaken out in such a way that maybe the relationships I had with some of those people would have shifted in some ways. <laughs> um, and I don't just mean that in like, a really petty like if they had betrayed me way but like it was an incredibly tense and anxiety inducing experience and you know uh, there was some other shit going on in my life at the time so it was maybe the worst possible time to play a game that required so much attention and care and so much investment uh right. but but i do i do wonder you know part of the edge was always like hey i know this person if they backstab me that'll be a hell of a move That'll be a hell of a thing that happened. <laughs> but I wonder if over the course of like five games or ten games with, with people, if some of the edge comes off and it goes from being like high stakes poker to your weekly poker game. I, I think there's a little bit of that, yeah. You know, and it's a kind of a funny thing because the nature of the game is is I think such that I talk a little bit about in the in the piece about how if if one player, there's always one player that kind of like rises up above everybody else yep. at some point in the game, and uh, it's a it pretty much is a once a game occurrence where everyone will pool together to to murder that person, <laughs> uh, just terribly, and it, it kind of that that axe kind of comes around to each person in each game, and everyone you know all, all the regulars. It, I, this is a thing that I said with them is. Um, everyone thinks like, oh, you know, just be cool about it. Like, you know, it's just a game. So when everyone back, you know, betrays you and kills you, like, don't take it too seriously right. until it happens to them. And then the cursing starts and the, the thre- you know, the threatening <laughs> to like, oh, I'm going to take my ball and leave that kind of thing. I mean, so that's the maybe the most important part that, that we haven't spoken about here, which is that the the bulk of the game's uh, 
politics, I mean, all of the game's politics, happens through chat clients and text messages, right? Right, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you send that, that late night message and, you know, asking if you can guarantee, if someone can guarantee you reinforcements at a certain place, you know, hey, send an army in this direction, send a, a unit of subs, send 50 subs in this direction, have them look like they're going to be uh, hostile to me, and then at the last second program in a move that, that puts them on passive mode, basically, so that they land as a gift instead of, uh, instead of hitting my base and, and harming me. And they say, like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And then you have to go to sleep thinking, <laughs> shit, can I trust him? Like, is that really going to, hmm. And that is something really interesting. That, like, there's no, there's no mechanical assurance of any of the diplomatic ties that you build conversationally. Yeah, and I think that's, that's part of where I, I talk a lot in the piece about the, the, the known unknown and the unknown known. And that, that unknown comes from... Um, I think one of one of the, the kind of the beautiful aspects of the game really is that like even though it's a thing that where everything takes place over the course of hours, days, weeks, uh, every every single detail always comes down to a matter of a couple of minutes too. Uh, whether it's whether your reinforcements will arrive in time, whether that ally will ally will show up, you know, for you, and uh, it's the same way with the chat channels too. Where like um, you know you, you can include certain people in a conversation, you can exclude a few others, and you can always see whenever anyone's online. So mm-hmm. you know, as when you, whenever you log in and you see a couple of people on there, maybe your allies on there with one of your enemies, and they're both on there, and, and the seconds that tick away while you're watching the two of their you know their little dots for their color-coded army is just sitting on there and they're not saying anything to you right it's just one every single second you know you're you're getting more paranoid about it are they talking about me are they planning something mm-hmm. i just told them where my troops were that kind of thing that's fascinating because it it indicates a sort of like that that the the, the huds that the that the uni- the user interfaces that we kind of take for granted in so many games as being just like, oh, these are communicating, uh, this is communicating a set of data that then we are, that we are decoding correctly, that we are decoding according to the way it was encoded, that that may not always be the case. And I like that, that subterfuge leans into that by saying, actually, we're going to throw a scattershot of user interface uh, information at you. And because of the design of the game, all of the stuff in that user interface, you know, it's not that the numbers are vague necessarily, but but they're but they're mutable and they're mutable in ways that you can't always predict. And I like that. I like that. I like that there is this notion of like you're going to read into into information that may not be there, uh, or you know, part of the game ends up being doing the thing that you're saying, except then you're right. Like logging in, noticing that two of your enemies are, or you know, two two players are online, and then intuiting that that is in fact an alliance. You know, uh, I think that that's that's a fascinating way to design that part of the game instead of it just saying, oh, you know, Jack and Mark are in an alliance now, you know? Yeah. And I I think one of the quotes that I had in the piece was from um, uh, Ed Beaver and uh, uh, an old strategy game designer from Mm -hmm. ways back in the 80s. And uh, he he, he was talking about the fog of war and uh, he, he. Described it as it's not it's not necessarily what you don't know, but it's about giving the player uh, almost an information overload that's kind of simulates what like a real commander would be uh-huh. going through, where it's about parsing the real from what you think might be real, and so the fog of war is actually in your head instead of something extrinsic to you, right? And um, and I, I think subterfuge does a great job of that, where it, it just, first of all that that 
the entire like I think your your whole psyche is now a play space for the game. Every single attitude, the every single uh, word choice that you use in talking to somebody else, it's it's all part of it. What you're doing and you're going about when you're regular day. You know, if you uh, I attacked somebody on their birthday one time on accident, which would have been accident? a brilliant strip. Are you I, sure? I'm doing air quotes right now. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Uh, it would have been a brilliant move if I had known. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's that kind of game where you like you can say like, oh, I'm going on vacation now. Won't have my phone, and that's a great strategy play right there. Right. Like, and, and then just brutally crush everybody when they go to attack you. Um, so you know, it opens all up that as like a viable thing that you have to worry about, mm-hmm. and then it, it bombards you with real data with with um, you know, it has this uh, this time machine mechanic where you scroll forward in the game. And it will show you a prediction of, of what will happen in the future based on what you can see. But uh, anything that's outside of that, anything that happens in the fog of war outside that, anything that's going on in the chat channels where people are planning against you and things like that, it's not going to account for that information. Right. So it will give you false data, basically. stuff And, use, and so you, you have to parse what's real, what's not real, what's changing in the future, what are people's moods. And it's, it's so much to manage that it kind of puts you in a really bad mental state where you're, you know, uh, super paranoid, very cynical and uh, it gets, you know, gets real. Yeah. So here's, here's maybe, and I'll leave you, I'll leave you with this question. Um, or I won't leave you with this question. I will ask you this question. I will hope to get a, a good answer. And I was then say, this is homework. Wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get back to you next week. Yeah. <laughs> if only, if only this is how that worked. Um, you know, earlier in this conversation, we both kind of joked and, and said, oh, it's a game that we both like. And then, like, is it one th- that we like? This piece that you wrote is is a, a piece of, it's an essay, it's a, it's a piece of games criticism, but it's not, like, it's not a review of subterfuge. Do you feel like you were able to write some of the things that you wrote here because it was uh, it didn't have to be a review of the game? Or do you think that if you were writing a review, a lot of this would have still come through and then also you would have had to have tagged on like X stars and and <laughs> also the graphics, the characters are neat looking sometimes. Right, yeah. Like the uh, the little face of the dude where his hair is turning into spikes and he's getting more and more excited for yes. how many points I think it's worth. Yeah. Yes. Um uh I I mean I like to think that if I was reviewing it it would it would probably look pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I place a lot of value on just interest, you know, and right. um, and subterfuge just has it in spades. And you know, I'm I think we're both on the same in agreement that you know the value of a game is not necessarily in how like good it makes you feel. Um, that that they can have value as being you know in some ways kind of torturous yeah. and 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 grueling experiences. It's you know it's it's kind of like the road of of games kind of thing. And <laughs> that no can one be, enjoys reading Cormac McCarthy on the moment yeah, to yeah. moment necessarily. <laughs> yeah, a, a Blood Meridian kind of thing. Right. But, um, but 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 that that's valuable in itself too. And 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 I th- I think that I got get a lot out of playing Subterfuge. Uh, this, you know the experiences can there's you know I think we're maybe overselling it a little bit too. There's a lot of sure. you know brilliant fun communal moments too of people you know playing around in the chat channels and it's a fucking joking. goofy game. Like, yeah, like it's 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 surprise like you put five or six people together funny stuff is going to happen you know it, it isn't it isn't just cigar chomping strategists it's also like sending a you know exactly the wrong number of subs to a really funnily named outpost you know 
Right, and then and then posting the appropriate emoji in the chat channels <laughs> right. that you can do, which I love so much. Uh, just, just, I just I send the um, uh, the Easter Island head. Nice for some reason all the time. That it just your, it feels like that is your. Yeah, it's my, it's my Monopoly trademark. piece, you know. It's like my you know my hat, you know, or my my dog that's on there. Nice. So awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for this chat. This has been great. Uh, I'm excited to see what else you write for us in the future, and I am just so thrilled to have you on board. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. No problem. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care.